Well, my name is David Perez. I'm the youth director here at the church, and it is so good to be here with you all, whether you're here in person or tuning in online. Um, it's, it's good to be back in person. Uh, last week, while we were recording, uh, it hadn't started snowing yet, and so it was like, oh man, what's going to happen? Uh, and then we woke up Sunday morning to a foot of March heavy, wet snow. Uh, and so I'm glad we all survived Snowmageddon. Uh, you can see there's still a little bit of the remnant out there in the parking lot. Um, so glad we were safe and warm in our homes, but also so glad to be back here in person with you guys. Uh, well, this week we are starting a new series called Easter Invitations. Easter Invitations. Now, how many of you here have ever gotten an invitation to a birthday party, a retirement party, bridal shower, wedding, baby shower? Just, who's gotten an invitation? All right, yeah. Yeah, all of us have gotten an invitation. Now, invitations are exciting. They're fun. Well, for the most part, okay? I know there's some invitations that we're like, do I really have to go? Okay, but then there's, there's the invitations that excite us. And I think as a kid, the most exciting invitation we could get was an invitation to a birthday party. Hey, your parents would go to the mailbox, come back, and they'd be like, you've got some mail. And that was already exciting because someone got you mail, a kid. And as a kid, you're like, no one ever sends me anything and then actually you grow up as an adult and you're like, no one still sends me anything unless it's bills or, or junk. But as a kid, you're like, oh, I've got this piece of mail. And so then you, you open it up and in there is an invitation. And it doesn't matter if it was the worst week or a really bad day. The second you get that invitation in the mail, it turns everything around. It's like instant joy and excitement. And I think the reason it brings about such joy and excitement is because that invitation communicates that you're seen, communicates that you belong. It communicates that you get to be a part of something exciting and even bigger than yourself. And so we've all gotten those invitations, but over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about three invitations that Jesus gives us. And those invitations are truly greater, bigger, more full and more life transforming than any invitation we have ever gotten in the past. So this morning, we're gonna talk about the first invitation, but before we do, I just wanna pray over the message real quick uh, and then we'll start talking. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to get to gather as a body. Lord, for, for the chance to get to worship. Lord, and hear your word. I just pray this morning that you speak through me. Uh, Lord God, that only what you want to be said may be said. And if there's anything that you don't want said, Lord, well, then let me not say it. Jesus, be with us. Open hearts and ears. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, in order to talk about this first invitation, we're going to be reading out of the book of Mark. And we're going to be talking through and looking at an encounter that Jesus had with the disciples. And what we see is that before anything else could happen, before the disciples could see miracles, before they could see Jesus die and raise from the dead before they could write the New Testament and start the church, before any of that, Jesus extended this invitation and they had to answer this invitation. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one, and we're gonna pick it up in verse 16. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. It'll be right here on the screen. It says this, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. We're going to stop right there. You see, the initial, the very first invitation that Jesus ever extends to the disciples 
is this one right here, the invitation to come follow me. And just like that was the first invitation he extended to the disciples, it's the first invitation that he extends to you and I, the invitation to come follow him. And so this morning, what we're going to do with the time we have left, I want to talk through what does it mean to respond to that invitation? What does it look like to say yes to that invitation to follow Jesus? And we're going to do that by continuing in the story. We're going to read through a few more things and see how the disciples responded and then find out what that means for us here and now. So I'm going to pick it up right where we left off. It says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So Jesus invites the disciples. He says, come follow me. And their immediate first response is to leave everything they had ever known. To follow him. You see, we read in here that they leave this, this job of fishermen. Now, when we read this, it's, it's not just a hobby. Right? They, they didn't just fish on the weekends for fun. It wasn't just something they did as a side hustle. It wasn't something they just did a few times a week or a pastime with dad. No, we see when they leave the fishing boat, when they leave their nets behind, what they're doing is they're turning from their entire way of life. They are leaving everything they had ever known, what they had grown up being taught, likely what their, what their parents, what their dad had grown up being taught. They didn't just leave some job, they left a career, they left everything behind. And some of them actually left quite successful things behind. I mean, you look at, at uh, right here, James and John. This wasn't a small fishing operation. It was them, their dad, and some hired hands. And so they left a potential successful future. They left what could have been. Not one thing was left. They gave it all to Jesus to follow him. And you see, the same is true for us. Answering that invitation with a yes, following Jesus, means turning from our old way of life. Now, I'm not saying, please don't hear me saying, right now, you have to give up everything you're doing. You have to pick up, leave Littleton, quit your job, and go. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus is commanding us right here either. And that's not what he's getting at. Now, for some of us, yes, that is what we're invited to. For some of us, that is what God calls us to. He does call some of us to very realistically leave jobs and family and home and go somewhere else. But it's not every single one of us. See, that's not the turning that we're talking about this morning. See, the life we're talking about turning from this morning is the same for every single one of us. Jesus is asking us to turn from the exact same life. Whether you came to know him in third grade and you grew up in a Christian household, or whether you came to know him at 65 and grew up in a non-Christian household or everywhere in between. We are called, invited to, turn from the exact same life. And that is a life that is ruled by, in chains to, sin. 
It is a life that is driven by our own fleshly desires, our own sinful nature. You see, we read because of the fall, every single one of us is born with this sin nature, with this flesh. And left unchanged, that sinful nature will ruin us. Left unchanged, that sinful nature will devour us, will take over our lives, and ultimately lead to death. We read here in Scripture, the wages of sin is death. Sin, when in full bloom, leads to death. You see, Jesus is calling us to turn from that old life that focuses on what this flesh wants, on what this sin nature desires. My father, he used to have this uh, saying. He has so many sayings. Okay, I could probably stand up here and, and talk for 30 minutes on the different sayings my dad has. But one of the ones he had uh, was, uh, sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to go and keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. And I remember as a kid hearing that and being like, okay, cool, yeah, like I get it, dad. Yeah, you're probably right. But as life has gone on, as I've gotten older, as I've had more experience, as this sin nature has fought harder and harder, and become louder and louder, I've realized that, man, that is true, isn't it? Yeah. That sin really will take us farther than we ever wanted to go and keep us longer than we ever wanted to stay. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of people around me, in friends and family. That sin left unchanged, man, really does lead to death. And so what Jesus is saying here, what we're we're talking about this morning is following Jesus means turning from our old life. Another way of saying that is it means repentance. It means repenting from that old way of life. Now here's, here's some great news. Is that not only is following Jesus mean turning from a way of life, but following Jesus also means turning to a new way of life turning to his way of life. We read right here what what that means. Verse 17, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Now that initial invitation, that come follow me, right there already, that's a radical, altering, different statement than what was going on in that day and age. You see, when it came to rabbis, Oftentimes what happened was the student approached the rabbi and said, hey, can I follow you? And then the rabbi had the choice to say yes or no. And not only did the student go ask the rabbi, but that relationship was focused on learning how to follow the rules better. Learning how to follow the law better. It was very focused on how do I do this right? Right actions, right following. This invitation from Jesus is entirely different. Because first, he chooses us. He chose you and me. He chooses us. There's no longer any rejection. No, he's willingly choosing us. He's asking us. 
And two, it's, it's not a relationship that's focused on following the law. Jesus doesn't invite us to come learn how to follow the rules better. His invitation is not, hey, get your life right first. Do all these things right. And then you can come follow me. No, no, no. It's an invitation to be in relationship with him. He invites us to get to know the one true living God. The one who loves us and cares for us more than anything wants to be in relationship with you and I. And here's the beautiful thing is, is that as we grow closer to him, as we realize just how much he loves us and as we continue to fall more and more in love with him, then he begins to make us more like him. Then the works follow. Then we begin to obey the law, to follow this less. But it's not the other way around. It's not learn the law first, then live it out. No, no, it's come follow me. It's come get to know me. And then I will help you. I will change you. I will give you the strength, the ability to follow my ways and what I ask of you, what I command of you. So that's the first thing, that the first part that he calls us to. Following Jesus, that, that calling to a new life. That's part one. It's being in relationship with him, but there's another part to it. Notice he says here, he says, and I will send you out to fish for people. You see, Jesus invited the disciples to follow him, to be in relationship with him. And then he invited them to be a part of bringing his kingdom here on earth. He invited them to be active participants in what God was doing active participants in leading people to know their creator. And that same invitation is for us. You see, we are actively invited to be participants in what God is doing here on this earth. We are invited and part of our faith is for us to be fishers of men, to go fish for people. We are called to go out and make disciples. In other words, this faith isn't meant to just stay with us. It's meant to then go out and bring other people to him. And so you've got to have both. It's not an either or. It's not just one. No, it's both. I had this RA in college who gave us a really good example. He actually was talking to us about this. And, uh, and it's just, it stuck with me for the last, man, it's been nine, ten years that this example stuck with me. And so um, there's going to be a picture of a little pond here. And you can see this pond. Now, as you can tell, the water doesn't look very clean. Okay, but we're going we're to get to that in a second. But this pond right here has a source of water. It is being filled up. Something is filling it. Let me ask you this. What would happen to this pond if all of a sudden its source of water stopped? If it got cut off, disconnected from whatever was filling it up, what would happen to it? Go dry, right? It would be entirely dry. There would be no more pond. We would just find a hole with sediment in it. Be empty. You see, when we don't stay in relationship with him, when we don't get filled up, when we don't talk to him and know him and spend the time with him, we run dry. He is our source of water. He is our source of life. And when we stop, 
being in relationship with him, when we stop getting to know him, then we dry up. But there's a second part to it. Like I said, that water is not clean. It's not drinkable. In fact, that's stagnant water. The reason that water is stagnant is because there's no flow. Because there's no outlet for that water. It's just sitting there. When water sits, when there's nothing going out, it gets dirty, nasty, bacterial. It's bad for us. Well, the same is true of our faith. You see, when, when all of a sudden our faith is entirely focused on me, when it's just focused here, when there is no pouring out, when we're not giving, when we're not actively participating in what God calls us to, discipling, being fishers of men, we become stagnant just like that water. Because our focus is here. It's all about me, 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 me. And that's not good. It's stagnant. But you see, you need both. You need to be filled up. You need to be pouring out. And when that happens... That's refreshing. That is life-giving water when that happens. Now, one more thing I'll say is this. If you're pouring out more than you're being filled up, well, what's going to happen to you? You'll be empty. And so you've got to be filled up more than you're pouring out. Which means, yes, this relationship here, the, the come follow me, the relational aspect, the getting to know God and being in relationship with him, that's got to be priority number one for anything else to happen. Priority number one. But we can't neglect to pour out either. And so following Jesus means turning from a way of life. It means giving him everything, every part of our lives. It means repenting. But it also means turning to a new way of life. It means being in deep relationship with him and an active participant in his good work right here, right now on this earth. Being an active participant in pointing people to him and letting other people get to know our Lord and Savior. But it means one more thing. You see, following Jesus means turning again and again. In other words... Our faith is not a one-time, one-decision thing. This faith, this invitation to follow him is lifelong. It's not a once said and done. You know what I think is a great example of that? It's Peter. We read right here, Jesus calls Peter. And then we continue to read and Peter continues to follow Jesus. And he gets it right sometimes and he gets it wrong other times. And Jesus corrects him, but he lovingly brings him back up. And then... We read Peter, he denies Jesus and Jesus dies and raises from the dead and then Jesus restores Peter. And then Jesus ascends and that's the last we hear of Peter. No, no. Peter continues. His faith continues. He continues to spread the good news. We read Peter writing gospels and, and it, he's the rock that Jesus founded his church on. Peter's faith continued. Let me, uh, let me give you another example. All right, when you were a kid, 
How often did you shower? For some of us, it was once a week, okay? For others, it was like once a month. For others still, it was once every month, okay? That was me, all right? Once every other month, my mother's sitting here in the crowd today, and she might tell you it was actually twice a year, but no, it was about once every other month, okay? I hated showering as a kid. Now, as a kid, you'd get away with that, all right? As a kid, you could run around, be outside, get all sweaty, and you really wouldn't stink that bad, okay? I mean, sure, after a while, you'd smell, but it took a lot. And then all of a sudden, something happens. We become teenagers. And boy, howdy, we smell, don't we? Yeah, you guys remember the first time someone told you you had to put deodorant on? Yeah, we begin to stink. And so let's say you reach that age, okay? You become a teenager, you're like, woo, okay? And you say, okay, I need a shower. So let's say you hop in that shower. You shower, you're nice and clean, you're fresh, and you go, I'm good for the rest of my life. I don't need to shower ever again. You would smell. But not only that, every single one of us in here is going, no, of course you need to shower. Of course you need to consistently continue to do that. Well, it's the same thing with our faith. See, it's a lifelong thing. We are called to continually, invited to continually answer that invitation. To continually turn from that sin nature because I'll tell you what, I don't know if I'm the only one in here, but this flesh sure does kick sometimes. And it's going to kick until the day we die. It's going to want what it wants until we meet the other side of eternity. And so there's this lifelong, ongoing turning from these desires. There's this lifelong, ongoing turning to the life he's called us to. Consistently getting to know him more and more. Knowing just how much he loves you, but also falling more and more in love with him. There's a lifelong, let me go disciple. Let me pour out. Let me go share this good news with other people and let them know just how much Jesus did for us. It's ongoing. And I'll tell you what, that is the most amazing, satisfying, wonderful life to live. Even when life is tough, even when it's difficult, even when it's at its worst, there is nothing more satisfying than knowing our Lord and Savior, being known by Him, loving Him, and being loved by Him. There's nothing like it. So, the very first invitation we get is come follow me. Come follow me. Now, some of you are sitting in here, and you know what? You answered that invitation. And you said, yes. And right now your faith is at a phenomenal place. My gosh. You feel yourself growing closer and closer with him. Each day. And and maybe your faith is at at a a mountaintop right now. You're at an all-time high. You're an active part of what he's doing here. I want to encourage you this morning. Continue. Keep going. Continue in that faith and that step. Keep falling more and more in love with him. Keep discipling 
Keep turning from the desires of the flesh. Keep letting him transform you and change you and grow you. Keep going. Well done. Maybe you're in here or you're watching online and you're going, you know what I did? I answered that invitation. But man, I'm dried up. I'm like that dried up pond. My faith is almost non-existent. It's not there. Maybe you haven't dried up. Maybe you've just grown stagnant. Maybe you're realizing I have made this life and my faith all about me. I'm stagnant. Or maybe you're going, yeah, I answered yes to the invitation. But that old life I was called to turn from, I've gone back to and it's the life I'm living in. That sin nature, man, it's devouring me. It's eating me up. And I've done too much or I've done too many things. And I'm so far from God right now. If that's you here or watching online, Jesus is saying, come follow me. Come follow me. You're not too stagnant. You're not too dried up. You haven't done too many wrong things or you haven't done something that's too horrible. He's welcoming you back with open arms, with love, with joy, with with excitement. Just like we read with the prodigal son, he's welcoming you back like the prodigal son. He just wants that relationship with you again. So you know what? Come follow him. It's not too late. It's never too late. He loves you more than anything. Maybe you're sitting in here or you're watching online and, and uh, this is the first time you've heard that, this invitation. Or maybe it's the 30th time you've heard this invitation. You've heard the invitation to come follow Jesus, but every single time you've said no or you were unsure. But maybe this time you're going, oh, there has to be something more to my life than what I'm doing every day. There's got to be something greater than just my nine to five and eating and waking up and doing it all over again. Maybe you're going, you know what? I recognize, I see, I feel the sin nature. Man, and I am lost. I'm at a place in my life where I'm going, I can't keep living my life this way. Something has to change. I hear this invitation, this life that Jesus is inviting me to, and I want to turn from this old life. If that's you this morning, if you want to know your creator You want to know the one true living God, the one who loves you more than anything and always will love you more than anything. If that's you, Jesus is saying, come follow me. If you want to accept that invitation this morning, well, then I'd ask you to pray with me. I'm going to pray in just a moment and just repeat after me. And then we'll we'll close up the, the morning. Dear Lord, I come to you this morning a sinner. I come to you this morning 
broken, knowing that I am in need of a savior. Lord, I come to you wanting that life that you've called me to, that you've invited me to. Lord, and I wanna repent from that old life. I wanna turn from my old ways. Lord Jesus, I say yes to your invitation to follow you. Jesus, would you be Lord of my life? Would you be my savior? Would you rule on the throne of my heart? And I want to follow you all the days of my life. I love you in your name. Amen. Hey, if that was you this morning, if you were here in person, I'd encourage you, reach out to someone around you. Reach out to someone else in this body or even come find myself or one of the other pastors or staff members. We would love to rejoice with you, to walk alongside you, to continue in this journey with you because this faith is not something we're called to do alone. It's, it's together. And if you're online and that was you this morning, find us online. Go to our website, find my email or any other pastor's emails and just reach out to us because again, we want to rejoice with you and we want to walk alongside with you in that. West Bulls, I am so excited for the next few weeks. We've got some amazing, amazing invitations left to talk about. And so I hope you join us for the next two Sundays. It's going to be some amazing stuff, some great stuff, as we continue talking about these Easter invitations. But with that, we're going to finish off with one more song of worship.